We've just published the book, The Adventures of Lola Badiola. It's the perfect complement for this podcast. It includes complete transcripts, explanations, and quizzes. So buy it now on Amazon. Hello and welcome back to The Adventures of Lola Badiola. At the end of the last episode, Lola was about to be interviewed by two men from Interpol. Let's find out what happened next. The Adventures of Lola Badiola Chapter 15 Interpol Lola sat at the table of the conference room in the offices of J-Block, opposite the two agents. It was still early in the morning, and most of the other employees, including J.J. Thompson, had yet to arrive at the office. She felt isolated and vulnerable, as if she were swimming with sharks. The young English agent, James Buck, reached for his notepad. "'You worked at Texpania for seven years, is that correct?' "'Yes,' replied Lola. Most recently, you were the senior account manager in the cybersecurity division, according to Luis Brunia. Is that correct? Yes. Are you still in contact with him? No, we are not in regular contact anymore. Buck wrote something into his notepad. One of your accounts at Texpania was the Swiss insurance company SMZ. Are you aware that they recently suffered a catastrophic breach of security? Yes, I am, replied Lola. Buck raised an eyebrow and wrote something into his notebook. Lola continued, Because it's been reported in the newspapers. Buck looked up from his notebook. Why were you fired from Texpania? I wasn't fired. Really? Yes, really. I resigned from the company. You should speak to Luis Brunia. He'll confirm that. The two agents looked at each other, and then Guthman Thunthanegi, the older of the two, leaned forward and in an apologetic voice said, We've already spoken to Luis Brunia. We've spoken to a lot of people, and they all say that you were fired. Lola felt like she had been punched in the stomach. Luis Brunia had always been good to her. Their relationship had been one of mutual trust. They had become close friends. But now he was betraying her, lying about her, helping Ruiz de Balasco to destroy her. The two agents from Interpol sat motionlessly, waiting for her to respond, watching her clam up. But before Lola could answer, the door of the conference room burst open and J.J. and Diego marched in. "'What's going on here?' said J.J. forcefully. James Buck stood up, pulled out some identification from his pocket and explained that they were agents from Interpol interested in discussing some private matters with Lola Badiola. If you want to speak to any of my team in my office, you need to make an appointment. It's an urgent matter of international importance, the agent replied. I don't care what the fuck it is. If you want to speak to any of my team in my office, you need to make an appointment. J.J. and Diego stood shoulder to shoulder, staring down at the two agents. Lola had never realised how big and physically intimidating Diego could be. 
He was as wide as he was tall, with huge hairy hands and a solid torso that looked like it was about to rip through the Lacoste polo shirt he was wearing. For a moment, the confrontation looked like it was about to get ugly, but Thunthanegi rose to his feet and attempted to defuse the situation. He turned to Lola and said, "'Thank you for your time. We will be in contact. In the meantime, here is my card in case you want to talk to us.' Then the two agents walked out of the conference room, followed closely by Diego, who escorted them out of the building. The morning sun was shining brightly through the office window and directly into Lola's eyes. She squinted as the silhouette of J.J. appeared in front of her. "'What really happened at Texpania?' he asked. Lola felt the emotion building up inside her. She was desperate not to break down in front of her boss. She decided to be open and honest about what had happened. "'It ended badly,' she replied. "'What do you mean?' I tried to do the right thing. I tried to leave on good terms, but Mario Ruiz de Velasco made it personal. Lola's voice started to crack. She felt the tears building up inside her. You believe me, don't you? Of course we believe you, Lola, said Diego, who had returned to the meeting room after dispatching the two agents. The ferocity from earlier had completely vanished, and now he looked once again like a big cuddly teddy bear. Lola started to tremble as the intensity of the morning boiled over. "'I'm so sorry,' she said. "'I feel terrible that I've dragged you guys into this.' J.J. sat down opposite Lola and took hold of her hand. "'Listen carefully, Lola. This is not about you. It's about all of us. You see, our software represents an existential threat to all the incumbent IT firms in the world, including Texpania. We will do to them what the smartphone did to Nokia, Motorola, and BlackBerry. Make them obsolete. Lola had never heard JJ speak like this before. She knew that they had plans to disrupt the market, but not on such a dramatic scale. He continued, Ruiz de Belasco will do whatever he can to stop that from happening and he's joined forces with some very powerful friends. Come and have a look. JJ beckoned Lola to join him at the window of the office. They looked down onto the street below where the two agents from Interpol were standing waiting. A black Toyota Prius stopped and picked them up. They've been following me everywhere since I arrived in Madrid. They're looking for a weak link in our company. And now... They think they've found it. So now Lola can see the big picture. It's not just about her and the personal conflict that she has with Mario Ruiz de Velasco. It's about the battle between J-Block and Texpania and the future of the cybersecurity market. Now, she's considered to be the weak link in the chain, the most vulnerable part of the company, and that's why she's under attack. Okay, let's go back to the beginning of the chapter. Listen out for the common expression included in this short paragraph. She felt isolated and vulnerable, as if she were swimming with sharks. Swimming with sharks... It's an obvious expression. 
It means that you are in an environment where there are dangerous people. And you may not know exactly where or when they are going to strike. And it makes you feel really rather vulnerable. Have you ever been swimming with sharks? Have you ever operated in an office environment where you felt like you were surrounded by dangerous people? Hmm, I hope not. Okay, let's move on to the next fundamental element of business English. Listen carefully to the following exchange. Why were you fired from Texpania? I wasn't fired. Really? Yes, really. I resigned from the company. Let's make sure that we understand the verb to fire. Because it's often misused by advanced non-native speakers in business situations. So let me make it clear. There are essentially two ways that someone can lose their job. The first way is when they have done something wrong. It is their fault. Maybe they lied. Maybe they cheated. Maybe they completely screwed up. But it was their fault. And in this situation, we use the verb to fire. There are a couple of synonyms of the verb to fire. We could also say to sack. That's also quite informal. And to dismiss, which is the formal way of saying to fire. And in each case, it's the fault of the employee. The second way to lose your job is when it's not your fault. But the company you work for is in trouble or the economic circumstances are extremely bad. So the only option for the company is to reduce the workforce. And there are probably a lot of people that will be losing their jobs in this situation. So in this case, we don't use the verb to fire, to sack, or to dismiss. We use the verbs to make redundant, to let go, to lay off. Those are three synonymous verbs that mean somebody has lost their job, but it's actually not their fault. It's the economic circumstances. And it is critical to differentiate between these two distinct ways of losing your job. So, for example, if you come home and you say to your partner, Darling, I just got fired. Your partner is going to say to you, What the hell did you do wrong? These words imply that you as an individual have done something bad or incompetent that merits the loss of your job. Now, if on the other hand, you come home and say to your partner, Darling, I've just been made redundant. Then your partner will probably say to you, Oh, poor thing. Let me make you a cup of tea. Here, sit down on the sofa and I'm going to look after you. These words mean that it is the economy or the company, not you, that is in trouble. 
And you are in many ways a victim of this situation. Now, the interesting thing about all of these verbs is we most commonly use them in the passive voice. It's much more common to say, I was fired, than it is to say, the company fired me. It's much more common to say, my father was let go by the company, than it is to say, the company let my father go. So why do we use the passive voice here? Why do we ever use the passive voice? Well, because we are more interested in the recipient of the action. We are much more interested in the thing being acted upon. In this case, we're much more interested in the the person that has lost their job than we are in the company that is doing the firing or that is making people redundant. And that is why we create passive voice sentences such as, I was dismissed this morning, rather than the company dismissed me. They were made redundant last year, rather than the company made them redundant. You see, we're using the passive voice. We change the order of the sentence in order to focus on what is really relevant and interesting to the listener. Now, Business English Style Guides encourage you to always speak in the active voice. They say it's simpler, it's more dynamic. But this is an exception. This is when the passive voice is more appropriate. And there are other business situations where the passive voice is often used. For example, when a company seeks to avoid responsibility for something. It's very common to hear the line, mistakes were made. Instead of hearing somebody admit, we made mistakes. That's a classic use of the passive voice. Here's another example. The company was advised to avoid tax. Instead of hearing somebody say, we advised the company to avoid tax. So lawyers will use the passive voice to defend their clients in court and in contracts. Public relations companies will use the passive voice to protect the name and the reputation of their clients. Having said all that, let's return to the case of Lola Badiola. Because we know that she was neither fired nor laid off. She actually resigned. That's another important business verb. And the relevant noun would be resignation. Be careful with the pronunciation there. To resign, resignation. Is that all clear? Good. Now let's move on to phrasal verbs. We have three beauties for you in this particular episode. Have a listen to this sentence again. The two agents from Interpol sat motionlessly, waiting for her to respond, watching her clam up. To clam up. That's the phrasal verb that we're going to analyze now. So first of all, what's a clam? Well, it's a very tasty seafood. You'll find it in an Italian restaurant in a spaghetti vongole. 
in a French restaurant with palourdes au beurre. In a Spanish restaurant when you order almejas. And in a German restaurant when you suck on a Venus Muschel. Okay, you get the idea of what a clam is, right? So what do clams do when they sense danger? Their shells close. So to clam up is a reference to a clam that shuts itself tight when confronted by a predator. So to clam up in a kind of metaphorical sense means that you suddenly become silent. It means that you are nervous, that you fear danger around you, and your instinctive response is to stay very quiet. And that is what Lola does. She clams up because she is confronted by Interpol. Okay, here's our second phrasal verb. It's a really important one because it has three different common business usages. Listen carefully. Lola felt the emotion building up inside her. She was desperate not to break down in front of her boss. Okay, number one, if a person breaks down, then they are unable to control their feelings and normally they start to cry. So in this case, Lola is desperate not to break down in front of her boss. She doesn't want to get overwhelmed by the emotion and start crying. The second common usage is when we refer to a machine. So if a machine or a vehicle breaks down, it simply stops working, stops functioning. So for example, the air conditioning in this office has just broken down and it's starting to get very hot. The third common usage is when we talk about a system or a relationship. It's often used in discussions about negotiations. We would say, negotiations broke down because we simply couldn't agree on a price. So these are three very common usages of the phrasal verb to break down. When we talk about humans, when we talk about machines, when we talk about negotiations. And they're all related to the failure of something, the inability to continue functioning. Okay, our third and final phrasal verb is this one. Lola started to tremble as the intensity of the morning boiled over. To boil over. So this is literally when a liquid is boiling so vigorously that it overflows the container. For example, you might say, if you put too much water into that pot, it might boil over. And by extension, when we relate it to human beings is when you become extremely intense or out of control, especially after a period of escalation. And we normally refer to emotions boiling over. In this case, Lola has started to tremble because the emotional intensity has been building and building in the office all morning, and now it is starting to boil over. When was the last time your emotions boiled over? How did you react? Did you clam up? Did you break down?
You see, these three phrasal verbs are often used when we're talking about stressful situations at work with our colleagues. And we will find out in future episodes how Lola deals with the pressure in her professional life. Because that pressure is only going to get more and more intense. And on that note, we come to the end of today's class. Remember, if you want live interactive business English classes with me, then sign up to Club Grattan. Just search Club Grattan on Google and you will find us. Until we meet again, keep practicing. And remember, when you find yourself swimming with sharks, don't let your emotions boil over.